minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh my goodness. Five, four, three, two, one. We are just under one week away from the 2022 Major League Baseball trade deadline, and Amy, the clock is ticking down <laughs> to a very important day on the Nationals calendar for the rest of this season. Welcome into the Mass and All Access podcast, everybody. Bobby Blanco, Amy Jennings here, live on the Mass and Nationals Facebook page and YouTube channel from the Mass and Web Studio. Hopefully, you're tuning in live. Lots to talk about, of course, but if you're not, hopefully, you're listening to this podcast uh, before next Tuesday at 6 o'clock p.m. Uh, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and or SoundCloud. Um, Amy, it's going to be a hectic next five or six days leading up to the trade deadline at 6 o'clock on Tuesday, August 2nd. The Nationals and Juan Soto are in the center of the baseball universe right now. All the attention focusing on that one player in the city. Um, lot to get to with that relation to that, but... Just checking on how are you doing? <laughs> I'm kind of stressed, Bobby. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a lot. Like, yeah, I feel like we went from, uh, oh, we're going to be covering the team that are going to be some of the biggest sellers at the deadline. But now we're talking about Juan Soto, who is the focus, the, the center of the complete deadline mm. world. So, you know, things are really ramping up here. Uh, yeah, yeah. We never thought we'd get to this point in all of our conversations this season, off season, spring training. We never thought that we would be talking about the potential trade of Juan Soto, other names, who we'll also talk about today, such as Josh Bell and Nelson Cruz were more so brought up. Um, we're going to talk about it all. Juan Soto, will the Nationals actually trade him? What could they possibly get back in return? What will that, that do to this team, this fan base, this organization? Um, but first, a couple of kind of housekeeping notes we want to get to. Um, but props to the team right now. They won three in a row, two out of the first uh, the first two games in L.A. against the Dodgers. Great game late last night. Um, Luis Garcia comes up clutch in another top of the eighth inning. Stop me if you heard me this before. The Nationals take the lead late in the eighth inning at Dodger Stadium. Um, and they go on to win, was it 8-3 to three, the final score? Yeah. Um, and they won two out of... The first two in, in L.A. at Dodger Stadium, a chance for their first season sweep later on Wednesday afternoon on Masson. Um, impressive start to this second half. The first two games were duds in Arizona, but they've played a lot better as of late. It would be very Nationals to play their best baseball leading up to the trade deadline. Right. I mean, those first two games in Arizona were yeah, not great baseball. Um, then they ended up getting the win on Sunday, and then they're going to L.A. The Dodgers were on an eight-game winning streak, and, of course, it's the Dodgers. Yep. And the Nationals have been able to pull two two games out, so it's kind of exciting. And, yeah, just like you said, of course, yeah. right now, the Nationals are going to really uh, – play their best baseball, really, of yeah. the whole season against the Dodgers. Patrick Corbin will take the mound for the series finale. His name will come up later on in this episode, I'm sure, as well. Uh, and then I want to also recap and finalize the draft coverage from last week. The Nationals made 20 selections in this year's draft, of course, headlined by Elijah Green at number five overall. They have signed 19 of those 20 so far. The only one that has yet to sign is actually Elijah Green's teammate from IMG Academy, Jean-Pierre Ortiz, a shortstop uh, from Florida. He's 20 years old. The Nationals have not announced his signing yet. He was probably the hardest one to sign. He has a commitment to play, I believe, FIU, Florida International University. Uh, yeah, uh, to play shortstop. He also can pitch, and scouts think that his pitching uh, could be a good backup plan for whichever team that can sign him. Mm -hmm. Not official yet. Haven't heard any word of whether or not he's actually going to go to uh, his commitment. But uh, 19 out of 20 drafted players signing is a pretty good precedent for the Nationals. Yeah, set. definitely. And then I think we'll see Elijah Green around Nats Park this weekend, possibly. So that'll be exciting to kind of get your first, you know, in-person interaction with who was the Nationals' first round draft pick. Yes, yeah, just and six Drew foot Jones. Two. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. See the news about Drew Jones. There's something in the water with Arizona guys and shoulder injuries. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going on there, but that was really kind of out of like bizarre. I think it was just swinging the bat. Right? Yeah. The shoulder. It. Those of you who don't know, Drew Jones, the number two overall pick to the Arizona Diamondbacks, was introduced earlier this week. It wasn't yesterday or two days ago. Mm -hmm. um, and was just taking, you know, it's traditional that. The players get signed. They come to the ballpark. You know, they go in the clubhouse. They meet the current players, and sometimes they even, if they're 
position players, they take BP on the field. Um, you know, I don't I don't think we saw Brady House take batting practice at Nationals Park last year. But I, anyways, that's kind of like the precedent around baseball. And that's what Drew Jones was doing and hurt his shoulder. Yeah. Uh, and I did not see any freak. video of it or exactly yeah. the details, but freak accident. They don't think he's going to play the rest of this year. So already the number two overall draft pick is set back as his professional career gets underway. Yeah, that's – I don't know Tough what's going see. on there. Lawler, Corbin, they have shoulder injuries yeah. over there. So – but hopefully, Elijah Green makes it through this trip uh, this weekend in D.C. pretty healthy. Uh, we know for a fact he'll be at Nationals Park Friday as the Nationals return home after this West Coast swing to start the second half. They have an off day Thursday. Um, they welcome the Cardinals this uh, this weekend before facing the Mets next week at Nationals Park. We know Elijah Green will be there Friday. Uh, not quite sure his media availability quite yet, but if he does hold a press conference, if he does speak to the media, we'll hopefully bring that to you live on the Master Nationals Facebook page and or YouTube channel. If not, you'll definitely catch it across our, our, our channels uh, after the fact and, of course, on MassInSports.com mm-hmm. um, from Mark Zuckerman and yours truly. So keep uh, an eye out for that across all of our platforms and the website and the app, Masson app, um, this weekend. I've got you fully covered as the Nationals start their first homestand of the second half of the season. All right. I think last week, our last podcast came at the end of the second round of the draft. Mm -hmm. We talked about Elijah Green. But we also had to talk about Juan Soto because that was the weekend that uh, Ken Rosenthal of the Athletics Report came out that Juan Soto had turned down a 15-year, $440 million contract offer from the Nationals. And you and I talked about it for the second half of that podcast after the first night of the draft and I, I think I kind of joked like you know we could do a whole podcast on this so we are <laughs> we're gonna do that basically the entire time today because it like I said it is the biggest story in baseball right now it's the biggest story surrounding this team you know it feels surreal first off that a, yet another and probably the best of the bunch Nationals homegrown star is gonna walk out the door or at least leave um, and it's just kind of like I, I don't know about you Amy but like the past two nights Watching Juan Soto take at bats, it's sad. It's like it just get that like, I don't, like anxiety type feeling. Like this is one of the last times it's, we could see him do it in a Nationals well, uniform. Well, I think what and what's so weird about it is that it happened so quickly, and yeah. I just don't really. I, I guess I don't really have a full grasp on it. Like, do you really think that that offer and him turning down that offer was the start of the dominoes falling? Or it was already in motion before that because that's, I mean, I don't think anybody had it in their mind that the Nationals would realistically trade Juan Soto this year before that happened. And I wonder if that's really kind of what started it all. Uh, well, so a lot of factors I mean, coming into in this. Theory, but yes. Is that really so, where it began? You know, a lot of factors coming into place, I guess, is because for the first time, since this has come out, we've actually heard quotes from Mike Rizzo. Mike Rizzo made his weekly radio appointment this morning in the D.C. market on 106.7 The Fan, the sports junkies. Um, there will be an article on MassInSports.com later uh, Tuesday, Wednesday afternoon with some information and quotes from that. But one of the things he said was like, we've known this for weeks. I think he said three weeks, about three weeks. That, so this offer was made a while ago mm-hmm. before it came out two Saturdays ago, you know, less than two weeks ago. Um, so to, to your question, I guess, is maybe just recently, maybe that's when they did, made the decision, okay, we should entertain trade offers in two weeks. But the rejection of that offer came, sounds like, from, from Rizzo, he's saying that it came a while ago. So that's not news. Mm-hmm. The leak came out in which Rizzo said it was also he was upset about, like Juan Soto was, and that it was not the Nationals. He was very adamant that it not come from him or the Nationals' front office. So then it brings up whole other questions. Well, where did it come from? Uh, We know Juan was upset about it. You kind of think that might hurt or tarnish their relationship between player and front office and and organization. Rizzo was very adamant that it did not. so, you know, it's just kind of a whole thing. So, I guess back to your original point, I, not un, un, unclear. I, I, to me, it makes sense that Soto rejected that offer. Then you kind of regroup as a front office and an ownership group and say, all right, what's the next step? Do we make another offer or do we kind of wait and see what we could possibly get back in trades? That's the kind of route I foresee would have happened. Um, not that 
you know, it was that Saturday morning. They made an offer to Soto. He rejected. Okay, fine, we're trading you. I think one of us uh, Rizzo's quotes from this morning was when they rejected that offer. Rizzo told Soto and his agent Scott Boris, "Okay, well, we're gonna have to explore all of our options." Right, and that makes sense. Right, yeah, that makes sense. And do you think that that that's the Nationals saying, "This is our best offer. This isn't going to change." I think it kind of is them yeah. saying, you know, this is this is the best offer. If you're not going to accept this, then trading is a real possibility. I think, and this adds another layer to it, is it goes back to the ownership group. I, I think I said this last week. I think that was the learner's best and last offer. Mm-hmm. Whether or not a new owner can come in and make a better offer, of course, remains to be seen. And we're going to get, after this whole conversation, Amy, I'm going to ask you just plain and simple, do you think Juan Soto gets traded? That's just a yes or no answer. But that's gonna come at the end of the conversation. <laughs> Let you kind of get all your thoughts out. We'll have a discussion. Um, but that is a major part in it. And Rizzo again mentioned this morning that it he did not he has had conversations with both Soto and Boris about the ownership situation. He did not reveal what those conversations were about, but he also said that, you know, he would expect that that played a role in Soto rejecting the latest offer which is fair i mean like i said last week like both things can be true it was a substantial offer by the nationals and soda was right to turn it down Mm -hmm. both things can be true now you can get into the nitty-gritty of it and say well the average annual value isn't up to snuff so that was a bad offer okay but it was still a record-breaking offer the most years and the most total money and guaranteed money ever given to a, a player in history um so you can get into that little nitty of nitty of it all but it was a substantial offer and Soto was still correct in turning it down I I agree with you I think both things can be true and the ownership issue if you will throws a big wrench into it because we've talked about it there's kind of two ways that the Nationals as an organization can play that is that the learners are able to sign let's say he does he agrees to this contract Mm -hmm. he signs they can market that as they're selling the team like look you have Juan Soto locked in for 15 years or there's the opposite end of that where you, whoever decides to buy the team isn't interested in that and they right. know that they owe him all this money now moving forward, especially since most of it is at the back end of that contract. So it, it, that plays a big role into it, both for the nationals, both for the owners, both for the potential owners. And then of course, Juan Soto has a lot to consider about the uncertainty of the future of the, the team. I've heard people say that as it relates to the ownership group, that you know we as a public might not know who the next owner is but that doesn't mean that the learners in the front office don't they, you know it's very possible they already know who the next owner is going to be call it a handshake agreement whatever because it won't come official until the owners meetings in november right um but you know they could have behind the scenes accepted an offer or hand whatever you want to call it, whatever um so if that's the case which we don't know it is but either way I, you would have to think any potential prospective owner would want a say in this deal. Mm-hmm. And you can look at it two ways. One way being, well, I want him to stay around, so don't trade him because I'm going to do my best to re-sign him. Or two, trade him now because I don't want my first <laughs> act as owner to be trading Juan Soto in the offseason. True. Just so many layers. I mean, it's just going to be – it's just – so many different ways to think about it. As it relates to the current Nationals negotiations to the Nationals, here's what Rizzo said about the ownership situation. Quote, we are business as usual. The the ownership uh, situation has not factored in one bit to any decision-making process that we do. My bosses are the learners. They gave me my marching orders and we put the plan in place. It has not affected us one bit, which is interesting mm-hmm. that it, according to Rizzo, no potential owner has had any say in these negotiations and this decision to potentially trade Juan Soto. And that makes you almost wonder, I mean, I think it's pretty certain that the learners are selling, but that almost makes you want, like at this point, you think there would be like a pretty set candidate or, you know, so that makes you wonder when that, all of that is going to go down because you would think that at this point they would be involved. Yeah. Yeah. And that, Again, we don't know for sure, but that also right. made, that made me think that okay, that they, they don't know mm-hmm. quite yet who it is. Uh, 
I'm sure there are, we know the interested parties. There's that you know, billionaire from, I believe it's Korea, that has shown interest. Um, but then some people said that he might be backing out. There's, of course, Ted Leonsis, owner of the Monumental Entertainment Group, uh, owner of the Mystics, Capitals, and Wizards downtown. Great relationship with mm-hmm. the learners, too. That's obviously shown interest. So we, But we don't know. Right. Um, it's hard. Just I, another whole layer yeah, to the whole again, situation I mean, that, like, most teams that most teams aren't going through this at the same time no. where you're thinking about signing, trading, making offers to Juan Soto mm-hmm. and also dealing with selling the team and how that plays into it. And we've said from day one that this was always going to be the case. Mm-hmm. Like this is always going to put a cloud over the Juan Soto situation. We're not going to be able to see very clearly because, and like, you know, you can't blame Juan. Like if Amy, if I were to say, Hey, I want you to be here for the next 15 years but I might not be here by November and everyone in this room might not be here too. Someone else is going to be working with you. Would you want to sign along with that without knowing right. who that is? And it, that makes complete sense too. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know that. Why I would. would he sign for 15 years if the learners are just going to leave in four months? And on top of that, like there's been so many players who they are very clear about wanting to play in the same place. This is their last, they don't want to reach free agency again. They want to play for the same team the rest of their career. But mm-hmm. Juan Soto, and you brought this up last week on the podcast, we are uncertain at this point what Juan Soto wants. I think it's clear that he probably wanted a higher um, average annual value. Um, I, but we don't really know. You know, does he want to be locked in? He's 20, what, three years old? Does he want to be locked in for 15 years with the same organization, especially given the uncertainty of the owner's situation? So that plays a big role into it, too, that we don't really know what Juan Soto wants in the contract, where he wants to go, et cetera. Yeah, he said, he, I think he's said all the right things publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has said multiple times, why would I, I love it here? Why would I want it to change? But yeah, the point remains that that's a long. I mean, he's twenty three. You're basically committing until you're almost forty. Right. That's a long commitment to make as a twenty three year old. Right. Um, in terms of where you want to work and play for the rest of your career. Now, the money could change that. But again, like like you said, we don't know what he wants. Mm-hmm. Is it? We can assume. But when contracts like this have come up in the past, especially with this team, i.e. Bryce Harper, Harper yeah. we knew exactly what he wanted and we knew that there was only a certain point that the team would go to offer him. And, mm-hmm. and to, the, to their credit, they almost reached it. You know, there was a point that Harper said that he thought he was going to be a national for life, but then the Phillies came with fully guaranteed no deferrals, no trade clause. We don't know if any of those factors play a role in Soto. Maybe he would take deferred money. Maybe he would tick a backloaded contract, which apparently this latest offer was Mm -hmm. very backloaded. Maybe he does want a shorter deal so that AAV goes up. Maybe he would take even a shorter deal to with a really high, with ridiculous high AAV to then maybe test this again. Because we know Bryce Harper said he never wanted to be a free agent again. Maybe Soto wants to, we'll try it again when he's like 28 or before 30 and and maybe get another big deal. We don't know. We don't really know. So um, it, that's just another part of uncertainty that we don't know what it actually would take for him to sign right now. We know, I think, I can confidently say he's hitting free agency. Whether or not the Nationals trade him now or they can make so many – unless that last offer starts with a five, he's hitting free agency. Right. And I wonder – I mean, Mike Rizzo, like you said, came out that this offer was made and declined weeks before – we found out about it or at least a week before we found out about it and you just wonder i mean i guess back to my original question is like that's what did it i mean that then after that of course he's saying oh well we have to explore all our options trading you is a real possibility so that obviously sparked this but does it not get leaked are they in the same talks with teams and the same negotiations for trading him or you know did that kind of get the ball rolling or was it already rolling i just feel like I don't know when it all just spiraled out of control. It just feels like. I, I think now that we, I was very, um, I shouldn't say very. I was pretty confident that last week that the leak came from the Nationals. Like who else would have leaked that? It does not benefit Juan Soto's side to leak that information right now. Well, except that it kind of drives your price up. Yeah. Yeah, I as guess. As far as an offer. But as far as trade, getting traded. Not yeah, so and much. that's what Rizzo yeah. said too. It does not. It does us no good to leak that right now because 
drives the price up for us. Like I've always said, they're bidding against themselves. themselves. So every offer you give up, that's the next floor. Uh, and then also decreases his trade value when teams know you're going to trade mm-hmm. for him. So my guess is that, and I don't know if there, there probably is some like general manager listserv or <laughs> text chain, email, blah, whatever. But my guess is when the team made that decision to potentially look at trade offers, you know, Rizzo kind of and his people put out feelers, be like, mm-hmm. hey, this is a potentially like, you know, we're kind of, and then some from someone from some other team went to Ken Rosenthal. I was like, oh, this is what we heard it's from the Nationals. Wrong, right? So I do believe Rizzo, when he says it did not come from them, I do believe that Boris would not have leaked that. It makes no sense for, and really in my mind, for them to do that right now. Um, because it makes sense for extension, but not for the right. trade. At this moment. Yeah. Right. What, what What does it matter where he goes in Boris's mind? Because he's still looking two years ahead for free agency. So it doesn't really matter if Juan Soto gets traded or not. He's going to be making yeah, the same money true. that he's going to get right. due through arbitration. So it doesn't matter where he lands. Um, so, yeah, I, that, that all that stuff is, 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 is very uncertain. And, and then it just seems like there's been little things here and there that have come out that make it seem like the road is or the relationship is really rocky right now between Juan Soto and the Nationals yeah. where I don't think – maybe we just didn't know about it before um, or maybe it's kind of just all developed over these last few weeks. Well, that's – so that's another factor that I wish – Mike was asked about today. I mean, unfortunately, we don't really speak to Mike as a media group mm-hmm. um, that that often. will we probably won't hear from him until after the trade deadline. Um, but he, he said he was upset, and I, I wish he was asked. Well, have there been conversations between you and Juan since then, and try to repair that relationship, right. or did you make it clear to him that hey, this was not us, this was not our doing, like? We're upset too, but don't be mad at us. Right, because just like you said, Juan Soto said all the right things to the media, you know, in the spotlight. He hasn't, you know, out and out said anything negative about this organization, which he can't, but you know what I mean? He's been very professional about it all, and you just really wonder behind the scenes where their relationship is at right now, and does that factor into their their future yeah. with each other? I, I, if I recall correctly... Juan did kind of point the finger at the Nationals. When it got leaked. Yeah, that yeah. Saturday afternoon mm-hmm. at the Nationals clubhouse. He, he, did, he, he just, all, I think all he said was, I don't know why, but that was their decision to put that out there. So he was kind of pointing the finger there. Not in like a, a very accusatory way, but he was just saying like, it didn't come from me. It had to have come from them. And I think like at the beginning where you're like, it's kind of sad, you know, you're seeing him take, take possibly his last at bats with the nationals. But I think what makes it even more sad is like that it might end like kind of like this. On a sour note. On a sour note. Yeah. It, I just don't know. <laughs> I just keep like, you know, going back in my mind. Why did it have to be this way? Right. And, and then that's, that's kind of also part to my, my point is I wonder if there was continued conversations between After. the two to repair, because if they end up not trading him, by Tuesday, then I think you should try to take another shot at re-signing him this offseason before you decide to trade him again at some point this offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're not going to be able to do that if he feels like he's been jabbed by the team, if he feels like he's been disrespected in any way. Or why would he come back to the negotiating table if he was like, hey, you leaked the last one out. I don't want these out here. I'm not coming back if you're going to keep doing that. Right. So I, I would imagine, again, not confirmed, but I would, I would have to think and Rizzo is that type of GM anyway. He's a player's GM anyways. He, he he likes his personal relationship. He's not very standoffish. He he likes having interacting with the guys on a personal level. I think he, there has to have been a point where he was like, hey, this was not us. Like, we're mad too. Don't be mad at right. us. Right. And if he came out and, you know, spoke about it on the radio, I'd imagine that he came out and spoke about it to Juan Soto. And, Correct. That's know, a good point kind too. Kind of tried yeah. to clear the air. But yeah. it's... <sighs> <laughs> it's tough. It's yeah. tough. Does this season play a factor in it at all? We knew the Nationals were going to be not great this year, but they are the worst team in baseball right now. If they were not the worst, if they, if they were not the absolute worst team in baseball, do you think this situation still comes up? I I think there has been a certain level of like a reality check for the Nationals because going into the season 
it was always, oh, it's going to be a quick rebuild, just a reboot, you know, not a rebuild. It's going to be super quick turnaround. And maybe there's a certain level of a reality check to see just how poorly they are doing with what they have and that maybe they're coming to the realization if they didn't already that this isn't going to be as quick as they maybe thought. I think there might be sort of that, you know, something to that. But I also think they kind of knew what they were getting into and what this year was going to be. And I don't really think that changes anything. Like, I think they always... I don't think they ever had an intention to to trade Juan Soto. Yeah, I don't think so either. But then I guess to that point where like if this, is, if, if this isn't as going as well, then what's the best catalyst to jumpstart it? Right. Trading Your maybe the biggest. best player ever for the greatest haul ever right. in terms of return of prospect. We know that they are asking for at least four or five top level prospects from an organization that has a really deep farm system and also major league ready players i mean it's gonna if, if it goes down on tuesday it's gonna be an historic right oh, unprecedented yeah, the hall, that, hall that they're going to get is going to be and i i just think the the fact that he has two and a half years left of control which is why they're obviously going to get such a big haul for him but i think it's also there's something to that where it's like why trade him now if you think if you're willing to give offer him 15 years like you are that confident that his value isn't going to decrease and he's going to continue to be that player if you're willing to offer him a 15-year contract so you're, you're kind of you know believing in him you're betting on him mm-hmm. to not you know decrease in value and continue to be the player that he is then why not try this again next year you know keep him for another year i guess my, it, my 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 retort to that would be play devil's advocate why They're keep him get more f- well i keep him for another year if you're going to trade him trade eventually him. this is his value will like, never yeah, be higher than it is, it right, is now. right now and that's what it just comes down to is he are you going to go all in make the best offer and make sure you're going to keep him or is your intention to trade him if their intention is to trade him and he's not going to be the foundation of this rebuild then yeah absolutely right I, that that's my point yeah. is is if you his are value. confident that because rizzo has said all along they're going to build this team this reboot is surrounding Juan Soto but if you are confident that he is not going to be here for the long term then why go through the next two years with him when you're not going to be that good at best you'll be okay in 2024 mm-hmm. right but and then and then his value will be half of what it is I mean right. he'll still get a lot for him but not right. what you're gonna get from right now and then god forbid he walk out the door for free Oh, right. So That's, it's, I mean, you can't that, let that That happen. would be the counterpoint. I mean, right. these are conversations that, of course, they've had behind closed doors at Nationals Park, but. And I, I think that's maybe kind of what changed is maybe like, and these, this offer go around this, like these talks, this go around the, there was kind of a drop off and the level that they believed they would be able to sign him. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I think maybe before they were pretty confident and now they're like i don't know if we're gonna be able to get this deal done and yeah we, we're gonna have to trade him with that case. but then the ownership <laughs> comes back to it because it's like you can't be totally confident you can't resign him without knowing who the next owner is right and that's what like i mean i don't like if i'm a new owner and obviously i'm not a billionaire but if i were and i'm looking to buy this team this team is way more valuable than juan soto on it and i am if i'm if i'm able to purchase a major league baseball team and everything that comes with it I can probably afford to sign Juan Soto to a mega deal, a deal that he would take. And so I'm saying, here, let him go through arbitration two more times, and then we're going all out. Because also at that point, this new owner, assuming that they come on board this fall, will have two full seasons underneath their belt. You're not going to want to spend big your first season as the owner, but after year two, maybe, all right, now we can afford to make a big splash. I mean, the learners first made their big splashes they bought the team in 06, so if you want to call Jordan, uh, Jordan, Jason Worth their big special, that was five years mm-hmm. later. Okay, so that's a little shorter time period. But if I, I, I can see a new owner being like, all right, keep him around, and then we'll do my darndest to keep let him stay. Well, yeah, it's just like yeah, it, and it's also you can't be so certain. You, like, either way, you can't be certain. You get like okay, he, he's never going to be have more value than he does right now. So why tra- why don't trade him this year when if you're thinking about trading him next year? <laughs> that was not English, but you get it. Um, but 
that does give the new owner, like you said, with Juan Soto on this team, it makes this team a lot more marketable and valuable. And so that gives the new owner the option next year, you know, maybe you do trade him if it makes sense at that time. Or maybe you can really have a real possibility of signing him. It gives the new owner more options. Yeah. It gives him her Juan Soto on the team, you know, to start off with, and then options moving forward. I Yeah, and that's what I kind of said last week. I, I don't... The worst thing I think the Nation, that could happen to the National, well, besides Juan Soto walking in two years for nothing, but <laughs> for right, like, is to trade him by Tuesday, by Tuesday mm-hmm. and then a new owner comes in November and in, his, in their press conference is like, I would have signed him. I would have given him anything. And that's the worst case scenario in my mind, because then it's like, then why did we just do that? If, <laughs> then, and that's, and right. that goes back to my point that the learners really shouldn't be making this decision. Unless they know who the next owner is and they're also helping. But according to Mark Rizzo, that's, that's not the case. Happening. Right. That's what's. So that's why, like, I would be, as both a fan and, you know, an observer of this team, a little annoyed, a reporter on the team, that they went through this and then you have an owner come in, a new owner come in and be like, man, I wish he was still here. I wish I would have had a say. Well, well, well shoot. Yeah. <laughs> well, what are we doing? <laughs> oh, well, don't darn worry. it. Well, what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. So that's why it's very, 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 very complicated. I'm it could be worse timing. Right. For these two things to be overlapping at the same time. So, but. yeah, I guess that kind of goes back to my point of does this season kind of play? I, I think you're right. I mean, Rizzo's not going to publicly say that. He, he said today that he they're on track. They're on they're on a place. He even said that he, they're ahead of schedule, which is hard to say when I think two <laughs> of your top prospects aren't even playing right now. Right. Kate Cavalli's making his first start, I think, in two weeks tonight. Um, and Brady House hasn't played since mid-June. So that's kind of hard to say. Yes, you got Elijah Green. They're happy with their draft. Okay, that's all well and good, but that's not going to play a factor in the major league level for does, two, at least two more years. Right, and it, it takes a whole lot more than just one good draft that oh, we yeah. don't know. I mean, on paper, everything looks good, but you know, it takes a while to really find out just how good this draft class was and it it takes more than just one and the nationals have been had a great history of drafting over the last really over the last decade so hopefully yeah you know they're able to turn that around but it's gonna take a few good drafts so it's kind of hard to say that they're ahead of schedule you know given everything combined but trading one soto and the return that it would bring back would rejuvenate i mean that, that's taking a a bottom third farm system and making it almost a top 10 right. instantly or literally overnight. And you're going to get a lot more major league close red <laughs> sentences, I, but you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. A lot guys who are closer <laughs> to the major leagues than yes. I mean, they're, they're not going to be right. lower level guys. Right. You're not going to get, we're not talking about a draft class or having right. one good draft. We're talking about guys that are ready. Guys that are playing double a triple a right now and our top prospects <laughs> in a system like you're, you know, if you're the Nationals case, which isn't a fair commission, but like that's like trading Cavalli, House, Rutledge, Cole Henry, right. uh, Elijah Green right now. In your yeah, system. Yeah. That are going to be, but that, you know, that's, that would be it. So I, I, I heard uh, former Nationals GM, actually, Jim Bowden, talking about this on, on the radio as well. And he said, and this makes me kind of nervous, but he was like, if I was still a GM, I would risk it all for Juan Soto. I would be, I would get, he said I would get Juan Soto because I, there's nothing that I would not give up for him, which makes me concerned, not con- as, as maybe as a fan part, but I'm like, oh, they're getting legit. All everyone is going to be aggressive. He's like, I would give up everything. I, I don't care. And the kind of goes to my point. My, my wonder is, is there a price that will make the national say he his point was kind of like, you know, Mike Rizzo doesn't have to trade Juan Soto. There's no one forcing them to do this, right? Like, they're doing their due diligence and fielding offers and seeing what they could possibly get in return. But Juan Soto's under contract for two more years. No one says you have to do this right, right. now. It might make more baseball sense to rejuvenate. I mean, we can. that's the no part of the conversation. If it was two right. years if in the future and this is and his he, walk year, he turned down correct. His, he turned down his last contract offer and it's like. Oh. And you're the last team and you're in the last place in all of baseball? 100%. Right. Yes. But that's not the case. He's got right. two more years. So no one's making him do that. It's going to have to be an offer that you literally can't refuse to force Mike Rizzo to do it. So every offer that he gets, this is Jim Bowden talking. He said, I would say double it. And I would keep anting it, upping it, upping up it. And I will not say well, yes until the very last second and the very last offer I get that is the biggest and the best. And that was one of the quotes from Mike Rizzo on the radio was that 
it has to be an offer, whatever his exact quote was, there has to be an offer that really like catapults us, you know, um, into to this rebuild, moving a lot quicker. That gets mm-hmm. us a lot quicker, a lot closer, a lot quicker um, was kind of the, the idea. So yeah, I mean, the offers are gonna keep coming and it's gonna take, you know, a really, really amazing offer, but from the sounds of that, they're gonna get well, it. Well, his point is that, like, if it, I mean, that's the that's the advantage Rizzo has right now right. in in this. Any deal that he that comes to him, he can say, "All right, I want more," because it is Juan Soto. Because it it has to be a team that is confident that they are going to win now, or mm-hmm. it's not worth it to give up your top five prospects. It has to be a team that has those that le- those level of prospects. So one of the top farm systems, mm-hmm. um, and a team that has the ability i think to sign juan soto in two years to a long-term deal so it's a combination of all of those things so possible destinations off the top of my head that have obviously been widely mm-hmm. reported and speculated are the two new york teams the yankees and the mets i really don't think no Rizzo chance would chance would trade yeah. within the division but they could theoretically mm-hmm. afford it um and then you go to the dodgers of course and then your mid-level to small market teams with really good farm systems are your Cardinals, Cardinals. Padres, Tampa Bay Rays, and Seattle Mariners. Mm-hmm. That's seven teams. This is a very far-fetched idea, but it's one that I came up with this morning that <laughs> it, it doesn't make a lot of it, – it's, I'm telling you right now, it's wacky. It's a wacky <laughs> bit. And it's, it's like .00000000001% chance of happening. Is there any part of Rizzo that thinks, and Rizzo can't even really make this decision because he doesn't know he's going to be here in three years. Does it kind of make sense to maybe trade him to one of those smaller market teams that you know doesn't have a very good shot at re-signing him so that you can sign and then him go back after him at free agency? Because like I said, I am very confident, 99% sure Soto is hitting free agency no matter what. So do you get think do you get the world for can you have your cake and eat it too? Can you get the world for Juan Soto and then in three years go after him again? A it that's not that wacky. It's not I think it's kinda wacky. It's but. not it's really not because in two years you're gonna have new owners. And if you get the world for him, you could be good again right. in two years and be like, Hey, come back. And Juan Soto Thank you for helping us. Right. And, <laughs> and then we're, it let, might work out for Juan Soto as well, because does he really wanna stick through this? rebuild and yada yada but if in two years your team is winning Mm -hmm. above 500 then maybe it's a team that Juan Soto wants to come back to an organization that he's already comfortable with but I think if the ownership wasn't changing then that might be like a little bit less reasonable but I think the fact that in two years you're gonna have different owners so they make this trade now they get completely boost their farm system with five really good guys and then in two years, you have new owners who are willing to, you know, do give up the world to sign him. Yeah. It's I, not as wacky. It's not. And it wouldn't be the first time it's happened. Right. But I, I don't think it's that crazy. Yeah. I, I think the Mets, realistically, the Mets, Yankees and Dodgers are the only teams that could afford to sign him before free agency. Again, I don't think he would do that, but they're more likely to than the other teams. And... You don't want him, like, if that's your plan, which, of course, you can't predict the future either, but, like, if that's the idea, you know, you don't want Soto getting cozy in New York or L.A., then they have the upper level in in terms of retaining him. Yeah, and that's kind of why I throw in that last thing is, like, is he going to go to – you're going to trade him to a team that has the ability to sign him in in two years. But I think those are the teams that are most likely to get him because they're thinking about that in the future. Yeah. Like, Unless they're so confident that they're going to win now and then let Juan Soto walk. Yeah, like here, go to St. Louis or Tampa Bay or Seattle. Have fun for the next two, well, three playoff runs. Go try to win a championship. But like, you're not staying there for 15 years after that. Come on back. Like, right. yeah, you, right. I can see him staying in L.A., maybe San Diego because it's San Diego, and then also New York. Um, but like, what is Juan Soto going to do 15 years in St. Louis? Like, really? I mean, like, we can narrow down the actual potential. And what's the spot. point? I mean, you give up your top five prospects to get trade Juan Soto, and then you have no intention. I mean, and then in two years, you you you've completely depleted your farm right. system, and you did, never won, and then you're let Juan Soto walk. So it has to kind of be right. A that's the point. That's another point too is that like any team that's going to be willing to give up the world for Juan Soto is probably going to think that they're going to try to make a good run to resign him but the fact of the matter is there are teams better suited to do that than others 
and those other ones give the Nationals a better chance to right. go after him in free agency. Also, him already having won a World Series here, multiple Silver Sluggers. They they recruited, scouted, and signed him here. I mean, he's right. comfortable. He, we know that he likes it here. So, I mean, I thought that was kind of a wacky bit, but it was kind of fun to entertain the yeah, idea. Could you have your cake? They'll and trade too? him. It's possible. I don't think that it's they'll, they'll it's trade him possible. to a team with that in their mind now. No, like, yeah. trade him to this team because they know that they won't be able to sign him. Yeah. You, you, like, again, you can't predict the future. Right. But it's probably in the back of their mind, you know, moving forward. Is that a possibility? Yeah. This so is a good, I mean, interesting. If you go if he goes to L.A. or the Yankees, they could offer him half a billion dollars now. Right. And be like, oh, yeah, sure. Why not? So, but, like, I don't think Seattle or St. Louis or definitely not Tampa Bay can do that. They just don't have the revenue. Right. They just don't have the revenue to be able to pull that off. And will the Yankees do that, you know, with the Aaron Judge contract? True. And, you know. Who's playing at MVP level right now? You know, could you just like, yeah, we got Judge. We're good. Right. Um, so another kind of point to that, though, is that in terms of a, a, a package. So this we're getting down to the my, my final question of all of this. <laughs> um, a package to acquire Juan Soto. Uh, you know, in this day and age of there are so many, you know, forward-thinking, analytically-minded teams out there. Is there a point where the Nats keep, like I kind of mentioned that, Jim Bowden mentioned that the Rizzo should keep asking for more and more. Is there a point where some of these teams are like, why are we, like their analytics department are, is like, why are we giving up so many prospects for one player? I don't care who it is. Like two more years of guaranteed one so does not equate, you know, the next eight, eight or so years of these six-plus players. You know, is there a kind of is it worth do it? some of these analytical teams maybe kind of bail out at the last second? It's like, oh, well, this is this isn't worth it because our numbers say that we're likely we're we're gonna be better off holding on to these six players than having just this one for two years. Well, and that is really what it comes down to. And this, I mean, that's a big decision. Is it really worth it? You know, and that's why it would have to be you would go into this trade with the intention of signing Juan Soto long term because if not, it's not worth it. Yeah, like. Unless you are so confident that you are so close to winning right now that you, you know, give up the world for the, these next two years because you think Juan Soto is going to make that much of a difference. But hate to break it to you, Juan Soto is not going to make that much of a difference on any team. Not that he's not amazing, but you see it with the Nationals right exactly. now. If he Good was, point. you know. He's still having a great season. Right. And but they're still in dead last place. Result, right. Yeah. So, so you need players hard, around him. It's a hard decision. And. I would hate to be a GM and that's why, you know, the best GMs are able to make those deals and it works out in the end for them. But yeah, I mean, it's a lot to give up that world series guy. team. He was protected by Anthony Rendon, Trey Turner getting on base, Adam Eaton getting on base. He had a pitching staff of Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg pitching lights out. Patrick Corbin was actually good, a, a strong bullpen. So yeah, it, it wasn't like Juan Soto won the world series by himself. I mean, we've seen the past three seasons now, two and a half, that actually, this is called two hole because 2020 was a half. Um, <laughs> that he can't, he's very good by himself, but he, you're not going to win with Justin. Right. And then at the same time, when you're, you're Mike Rizzo, you're having to find places for Josh Bell. You're going to try to trade Nelson Cruz. Uh, not really sure what you're going to be able to get for him right now because his value is not even close to what it was last year. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in at the trade deadline when they dealt him to the Rays. And then you have your relievers in Finnegan, Carl Edwards Jr., probably both going to go at Steve the Czech. Steve Czech for, you know, whatever you're able whatever to get for is. him, yeah. you know. Um, so you're dealing with a whole lot of other things on top of dealing Juan Soto, who's going to be the biggest piece at the trade deadline. That's going to be a long couple of days for Mike Rizzo, and uh, August 2nd will be super long by himself. Well, one thing, other thing that I think worth mentioning that he said Rizzo is on the radio today is that they are not looking to package a Patrick Corbin contract with Juan Soto. Um, he said, we will not dilute a return for a player with another of the, of a bad contract. Um, when he asked about that. he did say that uh, when asked about uh, Patrick Corbin we're not quote we're not going to dilute a return for any player by adding a bad contract that's not where we are at in a, at as an organization at this time we want to get the most for each and every trade we do we certainly are not going to tack on anybody's contract to anybody's deal including Juan Soto's or Josh Bell's or anybody's so people who have been mentioning that sounds like that's off the table and that makes sense I mean yeah if you can get the unbelievable return for just Juan Soto 
that's not worth giving up, a, getting a little mm-hmm. less back for only two more years of Patrick Corbin. Exactly. It made sense that that was kind of in, you know, you heard talks about that, just trying to get rid of that contract, but that completely makes sense. You know, why less or what less your return, less or your return when you don't have to. Yeah. So I don't think that's going to yeah. gonna come into fruition, which I think is a smart move. If you decide to actually trade him, I saw I saw this too. That I thought it was kind of funny. A Fangraphs article: the best time to trade Juan Soto is never. The second best time is now. So that kind of goes back to <laughs> the point true. of like his value is never mm-hmm. higher. But you also probably shouldn't be trading a Ted Williams esque kind of player. Right. So it should be interesting. Um, all right. Before we talk about other players that could possibly be leaving on the deadline day, Amy Jennings. <laughs> I know it's only July twenty seventh. We're six days away. Is Juan Soto being traded by 6 o'clock on August 2nd? Bobby, last week on this podcast, I said absolutely not. This week, uh, yes. I think yes. You think yes? You think absolutely yes? No, I think it's more like 80-20. Oh, okay. But that's a pretty good... No, that's very high. Yeah, yeah, What do you think? I honestly... I'm not being contrarian. I'm not... Um, just to just to have different opinions, I actually believe that no, they will not trade Juan Soto, and he, and I think they will not get an they will not get an offer that they think is going to be worth it. That's what I was going to say. Do you think it's because I think teams offers. will only go a certain amount for him, and Rizzo's going to say more, and they'll they'll say no, and it's like, okay, we're good, and then they'll try. We'll see how the ownership plays out, and they'll. Either try to sign him again this offseason or try or trade him this offseason. You'll still get the world for Juan Soto this offseason. It's just a little less than right now. You'll get right. Mars this offseason. <laughs> not the not the world. world. Whatever whatever plant smaller <laughs> yeah. than the earth, you'll get that. Don't ask me. But not quite the moon either, though. Right. So a little bigger than the moon. Right. Um for this okay. offseason. So I, I think no. I, I just don't think the teams that would really want him, one, don't really need him this year. Like like your Dodgers, Mets, Yankees, and two aren't gonna go that far uh, for him this year. And it's like, all right, we'll try again this offseason. Maybe we'll, we can offer a little less and, and get him. But if they think that the offer is not good enough now, it's certainly not going to be good enough in the offseason. Well, I think you can realistically say, all right, we'll we'll go a little less in this offseason because it's one less playoff run. But if you're gonna take less this offseason, why wouldn't you take more now? What do you mean? Who, whose side are you talking about? <laughs> As the Nationals. Why would you... Okay, so... Oh, uh, uh, I see, I see. You have okay, this okay, yes, offer. Yes, 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 you don't yes, think yes, it's yes, quite yes. good enough, so you wait to the offseason. You get an offer that's not as good, but then you take it. You know? Does that yeah, make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah. I, I see what you're saying. Um, but I, I agree with that. I think probably there's... Maybe there's it, there's a depth... There's... La, la, la. I, <laughs> I'm getting so like... I think Rizzo's <laughs> going to try to make them do something... Make them do something crazy. And do something that's probably maybe dumb. Um, yeah, and, and just and then just be like, no, we'll, yeah, we'll, because we'll it's try hard again. not to like feed into the yeah. you know like craziness of it all. And he's gonna be. I have like what is it now? Like the twenty seventh, twenty third, somewhere in the mid twenty ranked farm system. I need this to be a top ten farm system mm-hmm. now. So what do you got? Right. I I think I'm I'm I, more closer to like it's definitely know, very highly possible. I just. I think at the end of the day, he's going to be like... I think what's throwing good. me off is that with the whole Scherzer and Trey Turner trade, that kind of was so unexpected, but a lot more expected than this. But I think that kind of threw me off, so now I'm like, I don't even know. Like, yeah. It's a it's a definite possibility. I mean, it also, I mean, he's definitely their biggest trade chip. We expect Josh Bell, who's going to be pretty valuable. Um, you mentioned Nelson Cruz, mm-hmm. not as valuable, but someone I'm sure will try to take a risk on him. Especially with the universal DH, um, that's probably it for position players. Mm-hmm. And then you move to pitchers. Actually, oh hold on. Well, we <laughs> uh, talk about uh, Steve Ciszek, uh Carly was Jr., Kyle Finnegan would be an interesting one to trade right now. I think with Tanner Rainey's injury, Finnegan doesn't get dealt because then I don't know who you have pitching. If you're going to trade all three of those guys, who pitches the last? Right. Especially if the way that this starting rotation is not getting deep in the games. I just and you have so much more control of Kyle Finnegan. Um, he has three more seasons. He's so I, I think you you hold on to him and maybe make him your closer. But whatever. Um, I have two names that could be the uh, John Lester of the year. Okay. From last year, John Lester traded last year to the Cardinals. Got Lane Thomas back. Is now playing a major role on the major league team. 
I heard Paulo Espino as a possible trade piece from the Nationals uh, because he can play a variety of different roles. He can start. He can come out of the bullpen. When he comes out of the bullpen, he's very efficient. Um, He's pretty efficient his first couple of innings and his start and then kind of tailors off. So a team that could possibly need that kind of long man use down the road could be looking at Apollo Espino. I would not be surprised if Apollo Espino becomes John Lester 2.0. Yeah, and that's not – I mean, you're not going to obviously get a great return, but you get something, and it might be a pleasant surprise, as Lane Thomas was in in that John Lester trade. So that's interesting. Could be interesting. I you're not going to get anything for Fetty. I don't imagine you're. Uh, obviously, Corbin's not going anywhere. Other name that could possibly come up, who's playing better as of late, Victor Robles. Yeah. The base paths, the defense. He's hitting a little bit better. He's hitting close to 300 over his last like eight or so games. He's now back in the leadoff spot, hitting really well. That would be an interesting move. I don't really know what team would actually want to take a chance on him. But it's a possibility. Yeah, I think that that is, uh, I mean, that's a reach for, um, yeah. not a reach in like it's, you know, higher up, but it's, you know, but like it's, it, it's, it's a little bit risky for whatever team goes after him. Yeah. But he is playing better than he has been, you know, over this last stretch than he has really over the last two years. If uh, Mike Rosa was able to flip John Lester last year, mm-hmm. he can flip anyone. And if there's any time to do it with Victor Robles and, you know, yeah. kind of get something back, it's probably going to be now just based on the track record. There. Yeah, and we're like, they can be like, we kind of know what he is. Let's try to get something else. Mm-hmm. Maybe a good, you know, a good mid-tier, lower-level prospect and hopefully that And he's still out. young. Oh, you yeah. Know, we're not talking about 24? the Apollo Espino or John Lester kind of trade where it's like, you know, a veteran guy, like, you know, yeah. get what you can get. He's still young. So yeah. there's still, if it's a team that, you know, One feels confident that they can develop something, or, you know, fix some things, then maybe that's a possibility. Oy vey. A lot. That's a lot. That is a lot of talk about a trade mm. deadline. You look anxious. <laughs> you look. <laughs> I'm nervous now. You look nervous. Um, six days. Uh, next Tuesday night, two, uh, 6 o'clock p.m. on the trade deadline. Lots going to be happening across baseball, but of course, everyone's going to be focused on number 22 wearing the curly W hat. Um, it would be kind of sad. The other sad part is that if he does get traded, his last game will be at Nationals Park um, either Monday or he probably wouldn't play Tuesday night, but probably Monday night. So keep an eye on uh, roster moves and lineups and scratches and and fake Twitter accounts. Keep an eye out for those. Make sure you see the blue check marks with all your right. favorite writers and national reporters at Mark Zuckerman with the blue check mark for our own guy who will have all, 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 uh, the trade deadline covered for MassInSports.com and on Masson all throughout the weekend leading up to Tuesday night. And follow us on the Masson All Access podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud. We'll have a complete recap of the trade deadline sometime next week after Tuesday. Maybe even hear a little bit from Elijah Green from this Friday. A lot going on in Nationals Park this weekend, so stay tuned across the board. At Amy Jennings News for Amy, I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco at Masson Nationals on social media. Big thanks to Tim Leonard for producing this show behind the scenes. We'll be back next week. Whether or not Juan Soto will be too, remains to be seen.